Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast from the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts and their clients. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today I'm joined by Toto Lambert, an associate in our Chelsea office. This is such an inspirational and eclectic episode where Toto and I discuss everything from yoga and mental health to what it's like to move countries for your job. Toto joined Knight Frank back in 2013 as a secretary in our Edinburgh office. From there, she quickly moved up to become the office manager before deciding to become an agent herself and moving to London to take up a role in Chelsea. Alongside her incredibly successful property career, Toto is also a yoga teacher and nutritional therapist who uses social media to promote a healthy and balanced lifestyle. Toto, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you so much and what a lovely intro. It's uh, it's great to, to be speaking to you. And how are you doing today? How's life now that you're back in the office? I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. I've been back working in the Chelsea office on the King's Road since we were able to reopen on the 18th of May. We have obviously had to adapt hugely, but I feel like the team has adjusted really quickly and everybody is being incredibly positive and just completely amazing. There are, of course, challenges, PPE, risk assessment for every single appointment, And let's face it, a sense of uncertainty of what lies ahead. We are just trying to be as safe and as sensible as possible, be positive, look out for each other and just put one foot in front of the other. So far, it is working really well and I'm sure it will continue. And how's the Chelsea market been performing in particular? Have you noticed any new trends in client behaviour? Are there things that you're noticing that are new, that are different from before? What's the market looking like at the moment? So since the market reopened in May, we have been very busy, which has, of course, been great. Our buyer registrations are well above the five-year average, and the number of sales in the area is actually higher than this time last year. We've also agreed more sales than any other agent in the area, which is fantastic. And it just shows how hard everybody is working. So pricing is absolutely the key to our success. Since the last peak of the market in 2014-2015, prices in Chelsea are about 20% below what they were, but they do appear to be holding at the moment. And where we're noticing the biggest amount of success is ensuring that we're bringing homes onto the market at sensible prices. So sensible, reflective of market conditions, but also being optimistic and being positive about the market. Um, so where things are coming on at a sensible price they're attracting viewings they're attracting interest we've even had competitive bidding which again is testament to just being sensible but also being really positive and being positive with buyers and positive with sellers with that you know essence of realism as well I took over running the core market in Chelsea in June, so quite a time to be stepping up to manage a team. But I'm really excited by what is happening in the market and I'm really positive and it's great to see so much happening um, despite what is going on in the world at the moment. And 
And so to start the podcast, I'd like to take things back to the start. And as I mentioned in your introduction, you started out as a secretary in our Edinburgh office, but I'd be really interested to know what it was that made you decide to pursue a career in property in the first place. So to be honest, I kind of fell into property. I, as you mentioned, I started in the Edinburgh office as a team secretary. So I was was not working in property before. I trained as a secretary so I did a secretarial PA course in Edinburgh and I grew up in Scotland and then I was a team secretary for an accountancy firm and a job as an office manager came up in the Edinburgh office at Knight Frank and I was aware of Knight Frank I knew about the brand it was always sort of an aspirational company that I was interested in and interested in working for and I applied for the job I applied for the office manager role which I didn't get, but they were offering a team secretary role as well. So that is how I guess fell into property. I was aware of Knight Frank, but I guess starting as a team secretary at the start, I didn't really think of myself as maybe becoming an agent, but it certainly changed um, the, the further I went along the road with Knight Frank. So you went from, as you said, a secretary, and then you became office manager, and then decided to move into the more sales focused, agential side of property. Was that something that you kind of harbored from day one of being in the Edinburgh office? Or was it something that built over time? It definitely built over time. I think when I joined Knight Frank, I saw myself as really going down the the support avenue. I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll go and be an executive assistant one day and move up the non-fee earning um, sort of the the ranks, I guess. Um, but the longer I stayed at Knight Frank, the more that I realised that actually my personality and who I was as as a person was actually quite suited to a sales role. But I guess that took time to grow and that took confidence as well. So starting as a team secretary, I learnt the basics. I really learned about organizational skills. You were the first point of contact in the office. So you really were a face of the office. And from there, I grew in confidence. And then I thought, do you know what? I think I can do this. So that's sort of how it came about. And I guess without that time to grow in confidence and in experience as well, I don't think I'd be here now if it wasn't for my background as as a secretary and, and office manager. And do you think that having that experience made you a better agent because you could understand the property industry from a completely different perspective to somebody who just kind of went in first instance as a negotiator? 100%. I think starting from, let's face it, I started at the bottom and it is a great place to learn. So you learn your organizational skills, you learn how to run your own desk, you learn about how to manage not only your diary, but other people's diaries. And I think looking back on it now, as because I started as a secretary, I really appreciate in the position that I am now as an associate in Chelsea, I appreciate those team members who get less recognition, the secretaries, the office managers, they are so essential to the success of the firm. And that is just something that stays with me and it ensures I stay humble in this role. And so when was the moment that you thought, I'm going to make this transition, I'm going to start 
looking at pursuing a more sales focused side? So I guess it was in 2016, 2017, I was living in Edinburgh, I was an office manager and a PA. And the majority of my friends had actually already moved to London. So I found myself at a point in my career in Edinburgh, not really knowing where to go next. I hadn't really seen where I could go. And it wasn't until I thought about moving to London that I could see that next step in my career. And that's when the sales side, the sales agent idea really came about. Added to the fact that I'd met a London man and everything just seemed to fall into place at the right time. And the next thing I knew, I was in Chelsea on the King's Road, trying my hand at at being a sales agent. Moving to London is definitely the best decision I ever made. Um, it was a tough first year. I learned a lot, but it's made me a better agent in the long run. Mm, and that was something I was going to ask, actually. How did you find that transition between going from Edinburgh in particular and the more administrative side to then being kind of in the thick of it and in the hub of everything in Chelsea? It was intense. <laughs> I think the, the biggest difference between London and Edinburgh was the pace, the pace, the intensity the prices as well. Let's face it, London is much more expensive than Edinburgh. And I was slightly overwhelmed. It really took me, I would say, six to nine months to fully settle into the new environment. If you think new job, new city, new friends, just everything was change. And that can take time. And um, so it was a tough first year. But after I would say nine months, I really felt like I'd found my feet. Um, But it took time for sure. And do you think that you're quite an adaptable person? Do you do you like challenge and change? And do you find yourself adapting quite quickly to new circumstances? Or is getting out of your comfort zone something that not necessarily comes naturally to you? I do like change. I think it's something that I have grown to develop over time in terms of how I react to change Um, but I do enjoy change I think the initial reaction to it can sometimes be slight panic but actually the more change that I've dealt with and I think you know in this career in particular no two days are the same I'm constantly going through changes whether it be professionally and personally and actually the more experienced that the more experience that I have, the older that I get, let's face it, I'm definitely managing change much better. And I really enjoy it now. Mm, And adaptability is something that we talk a lot on this podcast about and how within property, you need to be incredibly adaptable and be able to mold yourself to new circumstances. Is that a skill that you found that's lent itself quite well to what you're doing now? 100%. I think from the background in secretarial roles and PA, I already had that multitasking aspects to my job. And I think they've just fed into the sales agent side and they've really married together really well. You know, no two days are the same in this role. You have to be super organized. You're constantly juggling different things and, and being adaptable is such a key essential part of being a successful agent in London so definitely and in those first few years as an agent I suppose you've not you've not actually even been in in Chelsea very long in the grand scheme of things but in these early years of your career what have been the biggest lessons that you've learned so the biggest skills that I have learned and the biggest things that I have learned is definitely organization and my communication skills working 
individually as much as working in a team. I think moving from a secretarial role into a negotiating role, you go from being a support to being a, I guess, in the front line and but still supporting your whole team. Um, also, I think it's worth mentioning that a skill that I have had to learn and really focus on since moving to London is prioritizing my own physical and mental health. I think that without my health, I cannot be the best agent that I can be. So I really have learned the hard way, be it through burnout <laughs> and tiredness, that actually you have to look after yourself if you want to really be resilient and be be doing this job for a long time. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned as well. Mm, and to touch on that point a little bit more, and obviously please don't answer if you don't feel comfortable talking about this, but was there an incident that made you realise the value of that work-life balance and made you really want to start prioritising your mental and physical health more so than kind of burning yourself out by working every single hour of the day? Several moments, to be honest, Becky. Um, I think the key one in London was definitely at the end of my first year in London. So I moved down to London in April 2017. And that December, that Christmas period, I completely burnt out. I was exhausted. I was running myself into the ground. And that was a time where I really had to take hold of my own, take back my own life again, basically, and think, no, I want to be doing this job for a long time. What do I need to do in order to make it happen, but also to be happy and healthy? Um, and, you know, I was actually already a qualified nutritional therapist, but I wasn't listening to my own advice. Um, and that was the point for me where I started to really honor that work-life balance. It is a constant work in progress and I have to constantly remind myself, but I'm much better at it than I was in my first year in London. Mm, and I think that's really important to talk about. I think that actually will be so helpful to people listening because I think, especially with property, it is such a demanding and hectic and you have to kind of be on 24 hours a day, always ready to take any client requests and having that balance and being able to step back and say, actually, I will be a better agent and person if I prioritise my, my physical and mental well-being. I think that's so important. Definitely. And so going on from that, you touched on it a little bit there, but alongside your role at Night Frank, you're also a qualified nutritional therapist and yoga teacher. When did you start getting into that? And how do you find that that actually feeds into what you do um, in your property career? So I started practicing yoga and fully committing to look after to looking after my health about nine years ago. So I qualified as a nutritional therapist in 2018 and a yoga teacher last year. The reasons for that are all something, it's all to do with my personal health. I was born without a thyroid gland. So it's quite a rare medical condition and it's something that I manage successfully on a daily basis. But I did those courses in order to really educate myself on my own health. And I realized that the pace and excitement of working in property, as we touched on, it can leave you exhausted. So since educating myself and committing to my own physical and mental well-being, not only am I a more resilient person in my personal and professional life, it makes me in a it puts me in a better position to be able to serve others. Um, so as, as I touched on, 
I'm a better agent when I am in the best physical and mental shape that I can be. And I'm really passionate about bringing health and well-being into life at Knight Frank, into the property industry, and to show that you can really have it all. I think a successful career, passions, and your health, it's really exciting to see all of my worlds collide and merge together and show that it works. You know, it all comes together, property, yoga, nutrition, well-being. It's really exciting to see it all coming together. And how do you manage those two careers alongside each other? And how have you been striking the balance between making sure that you're doing your work and also teaching classes and doing any consultancy work as part of your work as a nutritional therapist? How do you manage those two together? Scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. I think it's a it's a tough balance, but it's a it's a challenge that I really enjoy. Um, definitely during lockdown. So I was on the furlough scheme for four weeks. Um, so during that time, I taught more yoga. And then since coming back to work, I have scaled back the yoga. So all of my yoga classes have been online, which has been amazing on a mixture of Zoom and Instagram Live. And all of the classes have been donation based. So all money goes to Alzheimer's Research UK. But I guess it's it's just having an awareness again of making sure that I'm not burning the candle at both ends too much, but also ensuring that I am balancing my professional, my personal life and doing things that make me happy as well. So it's a constant work in progress. It takes a lot of um, time management, but also just having a bit of awareness. To be honest, I haven't been doing as much nutritional therapy recently. The yoga has definitely had more of a demand. That's definitely had a bit more of a a lift off, particularly during lockdown. Um, I think people have found it really beneficial for mental and physical well-being. So I'm running with that. I'm honoring that. And I guess, you know, obviously my career at Night Frank is, um, is, is just an amazing just career to have and I'm so lucky to have it but I'm very lucky that I can tie all of them in together. And have you ever had any incidences of where the two have kind of fed into each other in terms of finding new clients through your yoga teaching or anything like that? So rather than finding new clients I've definitely found that our current clients in Chelsea have been tuning into the online yoga classes, which has been amazing, particularly during lockdown when, you know, I wasn't able to be in contact with them when I was on furlough, but they could watch my Instagram live yoga classes. And, you know, you could see, you could see them, you know, their names pop up and you could see that they were still there. And it's so nice that you can feel that although you're away physically that they're still there supporting you in all aspects of your life so that's been really nice and I did a live yoga class on Instagram I did a takeover of the Knight Frank account which you know Becky um, from the 20th floor of uh, Chelsea Waterfront which is a new development in Chelsea which I'm very lucky to work on and um, yes lots of clients tuned into that as well which was which was great. And on that point about social media have you found that through using social media a lot you're a huge proponent of it and one of our kind of internal social media champions and have you found that through doing that you've been able to forge better relationships with clients and it's made you take a more people-focused people-centric approach to your client relationships absolutely I think social media is such an amazing way of being able to connect with people 
particularly at the moment where we're not necessarily seeing people in person. And at first, putting my face in front of the camera was really scary. But now it's it really has become an amazing way of allowing people to to see my personality and to be a great agent and to be a great advisor, people have to trust you. And if you let them into your life, be that with my yoga or running or dancing around my kitchen, then people start to see you as more than just an estate agent. I think it really helps people to see that Night Frank is more than just a business. We've got real people with lives and personalities. And I find that social media is just an amazing way for people to take a little bit of a look into your life and to see, you know, the lifestyle that comes with working for a company like Night Frank. Mm, And that point on trust is something that comes up a lot in the conversations that we have on this podcast, because so often the world of estate agency is kind of shrouded in the idea that you have to be very sales, 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 it's the gift of the gab, it's talk at people, and that trust and kind of listening element is so often forgotten in that main conversation. And with social media, as you said, you can utilize that platform to build those those trusting relationships. Do you find that something that trust is something that you've really had to really focus on within your career? Is it something that's vital to you in building those trusting relationships is essential is to your day to day? I think that trust is something that is essential to your success in your career as an as an agent and a property advisor, to be honest it comes quite naturally to me. And it's something that I keep at the forefront of my mind. I hold myself accountable um, because I think, you know, we work in what can be a competitive competitive environment sometimes, but I'm fortunate quite, it comes quite naturally to me. But yes, I always have to hold myself accountable and to ensure that I am staying true to my values for uh, to my personal values as well as my professional values as well and I'm very lucky that those two go together and to somebody listening who is considering a career in property or here's what you're saying and thinks actually this might be the route that I'd like to go down what advice would you give to them don't be afraid to start at the bottom <laughs> I think starting as a team secretary gave me the skills but also the time to allow what was my 21-year-old self to grow in confidence and to learn from others. I would say the other thing is to get a mentor. Connect with somebody who inspires you. Ask them questions. Be ambitious. But most importantly, be kind, be honest, and be generous. It will really take you places in the long run. But yes, don't be afraid to start at the bottom. It's often the best place you can begin. Mm, and I'd like to drill a little bit more into that point on on mentoring. Would you be able to chat a little bit more about who your mentor was and what kind of advice they gave to you and how it was valuable for you? I have a couple of mentors which um, who I'm very lucky to have um, close to me. One is Caroline Ford, who runs the Notting Hill office. And she is such a huge support to me. Um, She is my godmother. um, And I'm very lucky to have her there to support me professionally and personally. So she has been a mentor and a guide from a very, very young age. Um, And also James Clark, um, who runs um, our London residential business. He has been a constant support. And he actually 
offered me the job from when I moved from Edinburgh to London. I went and had a coffee with him in Baker Street in head office. And I sat there as an office manager and a PA with absolutely no sales experience, let alone in central London. And he gave me a chance and he is constantly there. Um, and yeah, so those are my two my two mentors. And I think it's really nice to have a balance between female and male as well. I think, you know, it, it, it's a full complementary sort of mentorship. So you can have more than one mentor. And actually, I find that having a male and a female mentor is great for just those two different energies. Mm, definitely. And, and has that having that mentor mentee relationship, has it has it helped you build your confidence? Have you found that by being able to look up to people and get hands-on advice that's specific and tailored to you has that made you a more confident and capable agent definitely I have grown in confidence considerably I would say particularly in the last couple of years and having people there to just run things past occasionally I think you know you have to you have to make mistakes you have to make your own decisions but when you need somebody who has been through it before to have somebody there that you can know that you can trust and talk to has been really key to just ensuring that I'm on the right path. And um, I think they get yeah, their paramount to, to, to my success. I, I am a believer that I wouldn't be here in the position that I am today if I didn't have that support network with me. Um, so whilst I know I, I back myself as an agent, I know I work hard, it's really important to have that support network around you as well. And to take things back onto the onto the property slightly, obviously we've mentioned that you work in our Chelsea office. What is it that you love so much about Chelsea? Oh, the people. The people are just amazing in Chelsea. Obviously the properties as well. It's such a gorgeous, villagey place. But I have to say the people that you come across on a day-to-day basis... Chelsea was always quite arty and quite bohemian, you know, in, back in the day. And there are some real characters around here. And customers, just clients, colleagues, they just make me laugh every single day. So I would say the people is what makes Chelsea just so unbelievably eccentric and wonderful. And it has a really nice villagey community feel. And is there any particular part of Chelsea, say somebody came to Chelsea, has never been to London or Chelsea before, and you were to take them on a a tour of the area, where would you take them? I love old Chelsea. So it's the area just south of the King's Road. And there are a few streets. So Lawrence Street, Upper Cheney Road, Bramerton Street, Old Church Street. They're just, there's lots of cute what we call Chelsea cottages. They're, they're quite expensive cottages. They're about three million, but they it's such a cute, colourful um, row and collection of streets, um, which again has that villagey feel. There's some nice little pubs and then you can just walk across the beautiful pink Albert Bridge into Battersea Park. So that to me is, I love that part of Chelsea. It just feels very classic and unspoilt and colourful and green and then you're close to a big green space as well. 
And you mentioned there that obviously the houses in Chelsea are incredibly expensive and it is a very prime and super prime market. What's it like working in an area that's so renowned for being so expensive? How do you deal with that sort of the fact that you're transacting on such properties? I have to pinch myself sometimes. I think when I first moved down from Edinburgh to London, so if you think a two bedroom flat in Chelsea will be, let's say, a million pounds in Scotland you could buy a castle. And that difference, it took quite a while to adjust to. Um, But I think now I really appreciate London and what London has to offer. And although it is still incredibly expensive and, you know, hopefully one day I'll be able to buy my own flat in London, um, not yet, but working there, uh, working towards it. But It really just, London has so much to offer. It is such an amazing hub and there is so much culturally and architecturally and I can see why the prices are what they are. But also at the same time, you you stay humble. You know, I I can't afford to buy the that flats and houses in Chelsea yet, but I can certainly appreciate them for what they are. And to give listeners a little bit more of an insight into what your working routine would be like on a daily basis. Obviously, I can imagine working with clients and on that sort of stuff, there is no one day that is the same. But what would an average week in your working life look like? So I will take you through what my day looks like today. So I am quite an early riser and I get up between 6 and 6.30 in the morning and in the mornings I will either be teaching a yoga class before work and if I'm not teaching a yoga class I might get onto my yoga mat and do a self-practice for about an hour or I will take myself out on a run. I love running and I will take myself down to the Thames Path, so running along the river in Fulham and Putney. And that's what I did this morning. So I had a lovely run this morning and then came back home, quick change, jump in the car. And I'm usually in the office sort of just before half past eight. And I'll grab a coffee and then we'll have a catch up as a team. And then I'll have a catch up with my immediate team. So as a core market manager, I am looking after anything up to about three and a half million. So I will sit down with my team and we'll go through viewings from the previous day, any interest, any offers, and um, I'll chat to them about sort of the the properties that I went in to pitch for new business uh, the previous day. And then we'll have a chat about the goals for the day ahead. And it will be, you know, with the negotiators in the team, it'll be about what properties you're out viewing, which buyers you're viewing with, and just having a really sort of good conversation, working as a team, making sure we're showing exactly the right properties to the right buyers. Um, And then we're typically in the office for the first part of the morning. And that's when we will be making calls. So dealing with the inquiries that have come in, we'll be phoning buyers about properties which have just launched to the market, any price adjustments that have happened. And then I'll also be following up on my previous day's appointments. And as my role is more centered around the market valuation side of things. So my job is pretty much going into 
properties, pitching for new business, giving sales appraisals and saying, we'd love to work with you. And on a typical day, I can be doing anything from two up to, I mean, today I've got four market appraisals. So that's quite a quite a busy day. And then I will come back, grab some lunch. And in the afternoon, I'll either be out doing more appraisals, more market valuations, or I'll go out and do some viewings. So when I was a sales negotiator, I just did viewings. It was viewings, viewings, viewings. I was one of the um, highest uh, viewing negotiators in London, and I think I was racking up over a thousand viewings a year. Um, so it was just a, it was go 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 all the time. So now I'm in a different role. I'm not doing as many viewings but I absolutely love viewings. So I still like to do a few and still work with um, some buyers as well. I can't help myself. I just love going out, showing properties and you know, creating those relationships with buyers and um, you know, creating sales. So I'll maybe do some viewings in the afternoon and then I'll also have some more desk time to make sure that our properties that we have under offer are proceeding nicely so I will check in with buyers with the sellers and with both sets of solicitors and just make sure that things are nudging towards an exchange of contracts and you know we are really here as agents to try and facilitate that process as much as possible you know we're here to have those conversations between buyer and seller if we need to and to just try and nudge things along gently um, which uh, certainly comes with its challenges but um, it's a challenge I love to take on and then if I don't have any sort of appointments sometimes I've got quite a few appointments sort of after six o'clock as then you know if people are, are working um, I try and be home at around sort of seven o'clock seven thirty and that is when I really try and switch off and it's something which I'm constantly having to work on and remind myself about. Um, I am a chronic workaholic, but I am getting better. So when I get home in the evening, try and switch my phone off, try and shut my laptop and just really try and relax and catch up with my family and speak to a friend and when we're allowed to socialise, maybe socialise, but it's a bit difficult at the moment. Um, but yes, that is a day in the life of Toto. Amazing. That does sound incredibly hectic. Um, and and you touched a little bit there on, on kind of the viewing side of things. And I think with property, it is all about kind of making those personal connections as we've spoken about before and having that relationship with people. Do you see yourself as quite a, a people person and do you really love that side of the, the property world? the people and the people that you get to meet is actually so important for me in terms of the joy that I find in my job. I am a huge people person. And I, I guess when you tie it into the fact that I'm also a yoga teacher and a nutritional therapist, it's really that I'm here to help and I'm here to provide a service and I'm here to make a difference in whatever way that I can so yes I'm a huge people person um you often can't st stop me talking so <laughs> the fact that you asked me to do a podcast I thought oh gosh Becky you're not going to get me to shut up so um I'm a real people person and the people is what makes this job so special <laughs> amazing yes I know I think I think actually it's so much better when everyone talks on the podcast it would be a nightmare if we had somebody who gave one word answers to everything <laughs> <laughs> and so 
This podcast is called At Home With, and obviously you've said that you don't own your home. But when you're when you're going to start looking for your dream home, what sort of things are you going to be looking for? So for me, I love natural light. I heard somebody said a really lovely term last was it last week where they said, I'm like a moth. I just love the light. And I'm very similar. So I think something with natural light, I am quite traditional at heart. So I definitely see myself buying um, a period property, uh, whether that be Victorian or Georgian or wherever it may be, hopefully in London. For me, particularly during lockdown, outside space has become something that I just know that I will not compromise on when I come to buy my own property. Um, The flat that I'm renting, it has a teeny little balcony, but it has been an absolute savior, particularly when we were at home for eight weeks and only leaving the house once a day. That little balcony was just gold. And so for me, when I do come to buy a property, outside space is something that I will really focus on. And when you're working with clients to help them find their dream homes, do you really take that holistic view with them? Is it all about the wider things that you need to consider when looking for a house and not just I want a house with five bathrooms and two bedrooms? Does it really make sure that you consider every holistic aspect? Absolutely. You want to consider what drives them? What are their passions? What are their likes, their dislikes? Where do they work? You know, the whole process of finding particularly with families and finding a family home you have to find a home which works for them not just in terms of the architecture and the layout but it has to work with their lifestyle as a family does somebody work from home where do they spend most of their time in the house and it's these questions that really enable me to build really long-standing relationships with customers so that you can ensure that you know, in years to come, when they want to buy something else for their children, when they grow up, that hopefully they'll come back to you again. And it's those questions, apart from how many bedrooms do you need? How many bathrooms? How much space do you need? It's the lifestyle aspects, which they create the dream home. It's not how many bedrooms does your dream home have? It's what does your dream home look like? And really encourage that open conversation so that you allow people's imaginations to really speak so that you can learn more about them. And what's been your favourite or most exciting or interesting property sale or client experience to date? I think the most memorable sale to date was a house which I sold last year for a couple in their 80s. And they had lived in the same home for over 40 years. So we managed to find them the most wonderful buyers for the house. And then I managed to find our clients, the sellers, their onwards move. And we found them a gorgeous step-free two-bedroom flat with the most stunning garden and it was just around the corner from what was their forever family home and for me it was quite an emotional sale I think one that will stick with me forever it just made me think of my grandparents and that it's a massive move for somebody who's been in that home for over 40 years so it was just such a lovely process from start to finish and I'm so pleased that the buyers walked through that door and they just fell in love with the house in the same way as our clients did. Amazing and are there any properties that you're working on at the moment that you're selling or um, are involved with the sale of that you particularly love and would like to talk about? 
I think Chelsea Waterfront. I'm still thinking about that um, yoga class that I did a couple of weeks from the 20th floor. And so Chelsea Waterfront is down, um, down on the river on the border of Chelsea and Fulham. And it's um, a new development and particularly the tower, which is where I was filming from a couple of weeks ago. The show apartment was on the 20th floor and it was a four bed. It's a four bedroom flat with the most unbelievable views of the city skyline and particularly in the evening when the city is just lit up and you've got Albert Bridge and just the city just feels so alive and um, so that is a a development or property or properties which are really at the forefront of my mind right now I think you know having the river views the outside space the concierge the beautiful interiors I think that for me is just a property that I'm always wanting to highlight and I guess for the lifestyle that comes with it as well. It's a really, really special development. So we conclude every podcast with a quick fire round and the first question of which is London or country? Country. My father would kill me if I said London. (laughs) (laughs) Classic or contemporary? Classic. Yoga or meditation? Yoga. Call or email? Call. Office or working from home? Work from home. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Swimming pool or tennis court? Tennis court. Walk or run? Run. And finally, a tricky one, Chelsea or Edinburgh? Oh, Chelsea. Chelsea. I think that was the quickest quick fire round we've had yet. That was great. And the final question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is, what does being a partner in property mean to you? To me, the word partner is key. It's about relationships. So being a partner in property means creating long-term and trusted relationships to help people make big decisions. I do this job to help make a difference and to make the experience of buying and selling homes a positive journey for as many people as possible. I invest a lot of my energy in people and ensuring their happiness. And yes, a partner in property is so much more than your everyday high street estate agent. When people used to ask me what I do for a living, I used to joke and say, I'm a professional door opener. But the reality is, is that I offer so much more than that. So I've stopped saying that now. A partner in property is there to support you, to be a sounding board, an honest and trusted member of your network. It's about being a long-term ally and somebody that will go above and beyond to make things happen for you. Amazing, Toto, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media, and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.